Ladies and gentlemen, it's your buddy Gavin, filibuster freestyle. We are back again this week. Just want to say that April is the month when the filibuster freestyle typically and historically gets back on track after what is a kind of a long January, February, March slog uh, during college basketball season, where kind of what I do for work in the daytime kind of just kicks into high gear. And so we're back. And so we've got a couple pods that we did uh, from Italy. Uh, one literally that we did and uploaded in Italy when Rob Gronkowski retired. And we did one that we put up yesterday, um, which was recorded in Florence, Italy, um, you know, about the Cinque Terre and one of the biggest tourist destinations in the world in Italy. And uh, Pundit Cindy Harrington was saying that the Cinque Terre is overrated. So check that out on filibusterfreestyle.com or on our SoundCloud page or on Apple Podcasts if you subscribe to the Filibuster Freestyle. Today, we're going to make good on the promise of having our buddy Jeremy Johnson from Man Cook Good to come on and help us pick the final four based off of food preferences, uh, recipes, etc. So you got Michigan State, Texas Tech, you got Auburn versus Virginia. Uh, Jeremy was unable to join myself and Roscoe P for what I believe was our third or fourth annual picking the March Madness brackets based off of food. Uh, so Roscoe and I did something different on that one. You can check that one out, too, on filibusterfreestyle.com. We picked it based on where we should have gone to college instead of where we actually went to college because Roscoe and I went to a Division three school in Worcester, Mass. Anyway, um, stick around. Going to be a good one, filibusterfreestyle.com. And uh, here comes the theme song on the flip side, Man Cook Goods, Jeremy Johnson. Actually, hold on one second. My bad. My bad. I was riffing. But I wanted to get a couple things out now. I don't want to waste JJ's time on this. 30,000 downloads. Just want to thank everybody for listening. Past that mark uh, sometime in the month of March. Um, places listening besides the United States recently, the United Kingdom, Angola, which is an African nation, Taiwan, Egypt, also an African nation, Zambia, also an African nation, Australia, a nation and a continent in one, Canada, and the Philippines, amongst others. Thank you all for listening. All right, now, theme song. Following the theme song, your boy and mine from the West Coast, Jeremy Johnson. Filibuster, filibuster freestyle. Filibuster, filibuster Watch out for the filibuster. Filibuster. Freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. It's the filibuster freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. Ladies and gents, as promised, following the theme song from the West Coast. <laughs> Jeremy Johnson's in the house. What's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Dude, I'm great. I'm great. Um, great pre-show meeting, by the way. And we're both wearing red shirts, so go red team. We are. And uh, speaking of teams, it's it's the Final Four. And Roscoe P. and I missed you and your input on picking your bracket based on food choices. But I want to just point out that even though you were three years early and two years early and one year early, you your, your Virginia country hams have finally made the Final Four. I know. I know. And you know, as the as the redneck prosciutto that um, they represent, they do deserve national recognition. Redneck prosciutto, fake band name of the week, if it hasn't already been in the past. Great. It's stuff. gotta be. Gotta be somewhere in pork country. Yeah, 
There's got to be a there's got to be like a Dave Matthews tribute band called Redneck Prosciutto. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, congrats to you for picking them uh, one, two, three years early. But there, here they are, and um, they're going to be going up against the Tigers of Auburn and the Plains of uh, Alabama. So. I'm guessing that you're going with Country Ham just in general as the representative for Virginia, are you? Well, you would, you would think that, but, you know, like, I'm also thinking about um, ways that people can make this an interesting uh, viewing party. And you can't get Virginia Country Ham everywhere. Um, you can mail order it, which you better do it uh, right now because you're late. Uh, you got 48 hours, that. not even. Um, you could probably do it, but I doubt you're going to. You could... Um, that's about it, you know. Unless you live in the South, you can't get Virginia country ham all over the country. Um, and it's it's ham, it's ham. Ham is great. You make sandwiches. You can make a ham and cheese calzone or pizza. But you know, I was looking at Auburn. I'm looking at Alabama, and I'm trying to find out. Like you know, Alabama's known for barbecue. Yeah. And just in general, Southern food. And if you start googling things that are known as um, Alabama food, then you're talking about like, you know, pecans and, you know, blackberries and fried chicken. And those aren't very good for uh, for college basketball viewing. But then I stumbled upon something uh, called white barbecue sauce. White barbecue sauce. Yeah, which is an Alabama thing. And basically, it's white. I mean, it's actually white. It's a mayonnaise-based barbecue sauce. Mm, interesting. It's it's really tangy. It's got uh, one cup mayonnaise, two tablespoons white vinegar, two tablespoons lemon juice, salt, pepper, and garlic powder. Whoa! Super acidic, tangy, fatty, and you slap that on like a pulled pork sandwich. Holy cow! With yes. some pickles. Yes. And you've got all that tang and all that uh, acidity, and then you've got the pickles there for some crunch and a little bit more uh, counter on the fatty pork. And you've got something pretty special. Auburn and their uh, white barbecue sauce tigers will defeat the Virginia Country Hams. Well, first of all, I think myself and the Auburn white barbecue sauce just became best friends. A mayonnaise-based barbecue sauce. Do you want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, like, apparently some guy in Alabama invented it for chicken. They used to do a lot of chicken barbecue back there. Okay. And then they switched to uh, pork, and then it somehow landed up on a uh, pulled pork butt sandwich. Um, and from then on, it became a thing. Wow. Uh, I mean, I, so, I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. But buy a four to five pound, uh, bone in pork butt or a Boston shoulder, they call it, or a picnic shoulder, rub it with brown sugar, paprika, chili powder, cumin, cayenne pepper, garlic powder, mustard, oregano, and basically your whole spice cabinet. Your entire your spice cupboard. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Post college spice cabinet where you're like <laughs> starting to play around. Take all that, rub it all over it, let it sit overnight, put in a slow cooker with apple juice and cider vinegar and Worcestershire sauce, and if you have it, some liquid smoke, yep. and cook it for like, you know, eight hours, or put it in the oven and do it uh, do it for about the same amount of time, low and slow, and uh, pu- 
cook it to like 180 something degrees internal temperature, pull it apart with forks and uh, serve it on like Hawaiian rolls or brioche with this white barbecue sauce. All right, so I, I Auburn and a route over the country hands. What what an entry. What an entry by you. What an entry by, by Auburn. By 11. What was that? By 11. By 11. I love it. So let's flip it. We got Michigan State. We've got Texas Tech. Now, Michigan State is a team, and Michigan is a team. Typically, I, I, you probably will just remind us of, of maybe something you picked in the past, but I, I think Texas Tech and I'm probably thinking barbecue or brisket there, too. But what do you got? What's going on with, with those two teams? Well, Michigan State's in Lansing, which is not exactly like a culinary hot spot. Yes. Um, and Michigan is very much a meat and potatoes uh, and pop kind of uh, region. <laughs> what you're looking at is basically like the, the Detroit hot dog or um, Detroit pizza, which is starting to make a uh, comeback on uh, or a starting to float to public consciousness in the food Instagram world. So I'm going to go with Detroit-style pizza. Basically, it's a very wet dough um, that creates a lot of steam, so you get a lot of air aeration in it, and you cook it in a pan. It's not quite a deep dish. It's not quite a shallow pan. Yep. Um, and you sauce and cheese it all the way to the edge of the pan so that it starts to, the oil leaks over the um, edge and into the crust on the sides. It gets mm. really crispy. It's about an inch high on the edges. Um, there's some debate over whether you put your meat um, under the cheese oh. or not. Which How do you feel about that? You know, I don't love it because I've, I've had it when like the pepperoni just kind of steams. I'm a crispy edge kind of yeah, guy. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like de- dead on, yeah. But if you have a thick dough, I could see the value of having all those juices soak into the dough um, because it's going to be crispy because you grease up the pan so the underside gets really golden brown. It takes a while to cook the thing because it's thick. And then so on the top, you've got this this meaty, juicy, greasy cheesy mess and then the bottom you've got this golden you know that can hold its own weight square slice and they're kind of blowing up right now there's even a guy out here that's doing them he's doing them gorilla style on instagram he's like setting up quick pop-ups and selling detroit pizza really and um they look really delicious now as it's done properly there's a type of wisconsin um cheese that's like super melty yeah. and um, you can't get that everywhere. Now, on the other hand, you've got Lubbock, Texas, which if Lansing is a food eyesore, Lubbock has got, to, I mean, where they got like a Panda Express. Is it wild with Whataburger? For, I know for uh, a fact. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is what I mean. We're dealing with a college town in the middle of nowhere. Yes. Um, so you got college food. Now, of course they can ride on the state of Texas's coattails with, dry barbecue and pit barbecue and uh, brisket and beef ribs and beef, beef, beef. But, you know, I'm over it. We've, already, you know, We've covered like, that a lot, what happens for sure. With college sports. Yeah, I mean, Texas, I'm going to give the, the Texas University gets brisket. Correct. I can't just rotate brisket around to all the different uh, universities in Texas. So it's Detroit-style pizza versus uh, Alabama white barbecue sauce. So for those the, um, keeping score at home, we got Michigan State versus Auburn in the final on Monday night, picked by you, man, cook good. And who wins that? Uh, in the final, 
I gotta go with white barbecue sauce. I do too. I think white barbecue sauce for the rest of American history. I think uh, Auburn, Auburn, it was a, a route, um, another double digit win. Wow. So we're going all in on Auburn because of this recently discovered white barbecue sauce. It's the new, it's the new country ham. So this is the new country ham. And the best part is, if you're wrong, that means the country ham get one step closer to a national championship. Right. And if I, and it means that any time that Auburn makes it far, I get credit. Um, you do. You do. For at least four years. And yeah. I mean, we, 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 keep, we keep lavishing Roscoe P. with love for picking Loyola to go to the Elite Eight last year, and they even did him one better. So we'll give you that same kind of credit. All right. So everybody, you heard it here first. Um Go out and make yourself some things relative to Detroit pizza and or uh, maybe a pulled pork with some white Alabama barbecue sauce. And make sure that you are looking for a Michigan State Auburn final with Auburn victorious. JJ, that's awesome. We missed you. We missed you in the first round picks because there's so many, but way to come correct on those. Now, I brought this up with Roscoe a couple weeks ago, but I want to just give you the chance – to do the, to, to do to do it justice is when you speaking to Colin Shots. We were at a Mexican restaurant about a month ago together in L.A. And right. the fajita theory, the ten minute fajita theory. Not only did you call it, but we watched it happen again and again and again in ten minute intervals. Let's just remind the fans, you know, as, as a food connoisseur, what your ten minute fajita theory is. So when you're in a Mexican restaurant or really any restaurant that serves fajitas, you're familiar with the spectacle that occurs when the fajita comes out. There's of the a oven. shock and awe factor for sure. There is the the um, the light capsaicin of the uh, bell pepper, the the beautiful stench of the onion, the sizzle and pop of the like ultra hot cast iron little skillet, yep. steam. You become a star in the dining room. At least you're part of the dining room. Everybody looks at you, and people like slap you on the shoulder, like, "Oh, man, hey, fajita guy, what's up, fajita <laughs> man?" You get a nickname, and the crowd goes wild. And the guy sits down. And he starts seeing his fajitas, and he's like, "These aren't really that good, but I'm gonna just crush them anyway." And then the table next to them, the next table to order near them, somebody orders the fajitas. Yep. And what you and I did is I told you the fajita theory. You really liked it. And so we started predicting who was going to order the uh, fajitas next. Correct. Not only did we nail the table every time, but we were actually getting the person. We were feeling like that. This is the guy. This is the girl. Absolutely. And I think we got three, three or four before we left. Um, and the fourth one was like, we were both like, that guy is he like you could see him. He's like he's elbowing his buddy. Like oh, I'm gonna get the fish. yeah. He's, he oh, hell yeah. literally was having FOMO because he wasn't the star, and he's like the only thing I can do is order the next set of fajitas. It makes me think of Costanza trying to get nicknamed T Bone <laughs> at lunch. You know, like you want you want a little bit of that dinner to be about you. And, you know, you're like, man, what can I do to really make my dinner order interesting? I'm going to go with the fajitas. Yeah, dude. But fajitas aren't that good. No, right. I mean, exactly. I mean, they I had like fish. They smell really good. They smell great. And like like I said to you that day or the next day, and like I said to Roscoe on the pod a couple weeks ago, I smelled like fajitas the entire flight home. <laughs> It's like a campfire. Of Which sucks because I took a red eye, and I'm sure a lot of people were really excited that Fajita guy was next to them. <laughs> and 
I wasn't even fajita guy. I was fajita guy by osmosis because we were sitting in the kitchen. But um, we had a lovely, we had a lovely gringo style Mexican meal. Um, both of our orders were wrong. Not even close. Um, our guy was great, um, and we had a couple uh, pops and put you on a plane. It was and the best. Was way to, it was the best way to do it. So anyway, yeah. Friday night fajitas with JJ in LA. Uh, great time, and the fajita theory was not only born, but it was uh, executed, it was perfected, and it is now passed on to everybody else. So, new filibuster freestyle game doesn't involve drinking, but it can. You and your friends can go to a Mexican restaurant or a Chili's or an Applebee's or whoever has the balls to serve crummy fajitas and uh, or cojones, if you will, and just just start trying to pick not only which table, but which person at the table is going to order the next set of fajitas. It's, it's endless It's endless fun. Um, probably pretty good for like a first date move, if I had to guess. Oh, yeah. Right? Breaking the well, ice. Well, I mean, if you're sitting there and the, somebody orders the fajitas, then you can, you've got a good like five-minute conversation about it, and then you have an interactive game that you can play together to yep. guess who's going to order the fajitas next. Correct. And if you both, um, you know, have, have it together, then you have a high-five moment built in. Yep. Which leads straight to making out. Yep. Usually. Usually. And then from there, I mean, you guys, you guys, you guys are listening. You got to take it. Yeah. We can get you from awkward, awkward, awkward silence and bantering to high-fiving to potentially making out. And then the rest of it's on y'all. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got to carry your own water at a certain point. Yeah, exactly. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, all right. Do you want to hear about a couple weird takes from my, uh, my trip to Italy recently? Oh, that's all I want to hear about. Okay, cool. So I'm going to start at the end, and I'll, I'll work my way back t- towards the beginning if, if necessary. But flight out of there Monday morning out of Milan. We're sitting on the tarmac. Dude comes on the loudspeaker by the dude to me and the captain, and he says, airport shut down. There's a drone <laughs> over the airport. Oh, good. That just happened in London uh, recently. Yep, at Gatwick. Yeah. Same deal, right? Right. So anyway... First of all, F drones, okay? People shouldn't be allowed to have them. Uh, fake band name of the week, F drones. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a yeah, double header. It's a double header. Can't we have somebody shoot the drone down with a small firearm? It's like, guys, we're at an airport. Scramble some fucking planes. Excuse my language. <laughs> hey, how about this? Just take off. Right. It's a giant 747. Let's Fly go. Fly through the drone. Right, exactly. Hit the drone. You win. Hit the drone. It's like a literal bug versus a Volkswagen bug. Sweep the leg. <laughs> Sweep the no leg. No mercy in Milan. So anyway, um, they're now sitting in English, so whatever. Right. And, and about two minutes later, they announced it in Italian. Mm. And there was this elderly couple sitting diagonally in front of me. Drone. And the lady goes, Oh, Dronas! I'm gonna be a little bit of a little bit of moving his hands in perfect uh, translation uh, for the viewers at home. Her response was that she also was basically saying F drones, but in Italian. Yes. But the yeah. best part was they made the announcement and like the whole plane was like, uh, and that lady had no idea what happened. And two minutes later, she, she got the joke. Or <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> Um, another really interesting portion of the trip was uh, Pundit Cindy Harrington and I were in Florence, great city. Been there, love it. Two fun things about Florence. Number one, so as you know, because you've been there, Florence is actually called Firenze or Firenze. Firenze. Correct. I um, 
have been calling it Florenza for 17 years of my life. Oh, you idiot. Right. What a, what a dink. <laughs> that must have been hard to shake when you were there. Well, the worst part is, like, of course, I've, I've always called it Florence because we've, we've anglicized it. And I've never been there until recently. But then I'm like, why doesn't it say Forenza? And Cindy said, because they call it Forenza. <laughs> and yeah, it was one of the worst. It was a tough moment. It was a tough, it was a tough 24 hours trying to shake. I'm surprised you play that off. Like, I know. I'm just kidding. No, I had to own it because I was just so mad at myself. <laughs> well, um, did you go to the Duomo? Sure did. Wow, huh? Went to the Duomo. We went, to the, Afu- went to the Afuzi uh, Museum, which is great. Yes, yes. Did um, you see David? Sure did. Did you get that salami sandwich that's number one on TripAdvisor? Uh, I don't know if we did specifically Idiot. get that. I don't know if we got yeah, that salami sandwich, minutes. but we definitely got a bunch of salami sandwiches. So I I'm wish not- I had known you were going to Florence, or maybe I did, and I just wasn't a good enough friend to remember. No, I don't know if like you did. a food tour. When we were there with this really jolly Italian woman who took us all over Italy to all the or all over Florence to these places that I um, never would have gone to without nice. a guide and fed us and sprayed us with grappa and uh, we had an amazing time. Yeah, it was good. My my cousin and a couple other people had been there before and gave us some good tips. So we got so we got, we ate really well. Yeah, well, you kind of can't help it you can't. anywhere in Italy. You just kind of eat all the time and stumble into eating all the time. Yeah, the best part is, actually, this is another story. I want to get back to one more Florence story, but we're in um, Camoli, which is our favorite spot. It's it's near, it's between Genoa and Portofino on the Italian Riviera. Great little town. But there's this place that gives away, you know, aperitif boards. You know, everybody gives away aperitif boards. So my man comes over, and he's like Russian. He speaks Russian, and he speaks Italian. So his English is, is lacking. But I ordered a second Aper- Aperol Spritz because that's the greatest drink ever. And the dude's like, do you want another board? Um, and I was like, but, but he said it in Italian. And I'm like, I don't, what? Like, because he wasn't saying, I don't know. I don't even know what he was saying. But he's like, I'll be right back. He said, do you want more appetizers? And I said, no, no, we're good. He says, but they're free. <laughs> I said, I understand that, but we're full. <laughs> but in Italy, they just don't care. They just right. wait, they, if you order a drink, you get a free appetizer board. The towel works. Uh, it's very Spanish like that. The uh, the tapas style. Like, it's fantastic. You don't pay for the food. You pay for the drinks. Right, and, and we're happy to do that. Um, we're the we're the worst. This country is the worst. We we take the worst of everything, <laughs> and we just we turn the whole country into like Vegas or an airport where you just pay through the nose for everything. Right. Every step of the way, you pay, pay, pay. Everyone's got their hand out. No one's making enough money. It's like, oh, you want water? Well, nobody sells water around here, so it's actually $5 for the water. Right. Go. Oh, you want pepperoni? That's a dollar for that. And like, well, it's $7 for the whole pizza. <laughs> so how's it a dollar for the topping? It's a dollar for like three ounces of pepperoni? What is this crap? You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, America's all about the a la carte upcharge. But in Italy, in Italy, they're like, you ordered a liqueur with Prosecco. Can we give you 7,000 pieces of pepperoni and cheese and olives and bread and, and friggin' lima beans? And economy's in recession. So, like, their, their, their translation of the euro is even more in our favor. I, I bought some food there where, like, I was like, you know, I'll have, a, you know, four pieces of that pizza there were four of us. It wasn't for me. Yeah. And she's like, um, okay, it's, uh, you know, two euro. Right. 
I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, is this a joke? Like, two? How about four? You know? Right. Like, well, that was the same thing happened to us in Portugal last last winter. When the, we were like, we get two glasses of wine, and the guy's like, well, they're four euro each, or I can give you the whole bottle for five euro. So you want the bottle, right? Yes, we do. We'll have two <laughs> bottles. Yeah, actually. right. So, yeah. So, I mean, anyway, you can't beat a good aperitif board. But so we're walking in Florence, and we're going up to the um, kind of like the Michelangelo Gardens, like the Biboli yeah. Bib- not the Biboli Gardens, but the ones next to it, right? So, anyway, there's this, we walk up the hill, and we kind of take this little weird meandering path. And there's a dude in jeans with no shirt on who I swear to God was Santa Claus on vacation. Like, basically, picture Santa Claus, no shirt on, getting a tan in jeans, what white beard, white Are hair, Santa, Santa Claus hanging out. Vacationing at the same time. But it just was really interesting that, 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 you know, of all the people to run into in Florence, Santa Claus was the guy. That's unbelievable. Which, I, which means I now believe in Santa Claus again, so that's good. All right. So many other good things happen, and I, I completely and utterly recommend anything at Lake Como possible uh, as well. Now, can I talk to you really quickly about the movies and TV shows that I watched on my two flights? I want, I want to get yes. your take on if you've seen any of these, okay? Well, movies were going to swing and miss a lot. I, um, I have a toddler. Yes. Uh, but um, TV shows, I have some opinions. Okay, well... I'm gonna. This is basically the order I'm gonna rank the media that I consumed. Okay. I'm also a marketing connoisseur, so I can judge a book by its cover. Yeah. So I watched the movie Vice with Christian Bale. Mm. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, I have that screener. Haven't watched it yet. Heard it's really good. It's by the same director as The Big Short. Yes. And he's very witty, and he breaks the fourth wall. Yes. And uh, people aren't fully tired of that yet. They're not. Um, although I was afraid that it would piss me off a la the W movie that Ollie Stone made. No, it's better than that. That whole eight year period just still pisses me off. No question, but this is done this is probably done more cleverly. Um, He's a clever man. Yeah. Adam McKay, I think his name is, right? Yes. Yeah. So I know the crew that did that. It's the same crew that did uh, Top Gun, which is still being shot, um, crazy enough. And um, they were super excited when it came out. Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. Uh, Black Klansman, which I actually liked a lot more. Uh, Spike. Spike yeah. did a great job with that. Um, Adam Driver, nice job in that. Um, everybody was good in that. I really liked it. Have you seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? No, but I hear it's like the best Spider-Man movie ever made. Bro, holy holy crap. It was it's awesome. It's an animated feature. Yes, and it was the best Spider-Man vehicle I've ever seen. I totally Every agree. person that has watched it and spoken to me says the same thing. It's shocking. It, um, although I will say the bar is pretty low on the Spider-Man franchise. Well, you know what they did well, JJ? But that doesn't mean it's not a good movie. You know what they did very well was they, they almost in a very tongue-in-cheek way made fun of the fact that they've rebooted that franchise's trilogies three times in the 12 years. Right. Like they basically were like, Kind of, they were very tongue in cheek about, yup, it's another Spider Man product, but it was like, hey. but weird, but we're gonna get it right. And they did. And guess what? Um, Spider Man was bit by a spider when he was a boy. <laughs> right. Can right. we drop the origin stories? No, but the, but the best part was they kind of did it like that in like a funny way. It was good. I recommend it highly. Did the one with Marissa Tomei come out already? No, I don't think so. Unless she was in that, and I didn't, I didn't catch her. No, no, I mean, that was a live action oh, uh, Spider Man. Uh, maybe, I don't know. 
it's hard to keep up with comic book movies. Do we care? Do you care? Does the filibuster freestyle care about uh, comic book movies? Not really. I mean, I think I think when they're on Netflix, or more importantly, when the shows are on Netflix, like will we binge watch them occasionally? Absolutely. You know, it'll all be on Disney Plus before you know it. Right. Because um, they're not going to be playing nice with Netflix. Oh, good for them. Um, I also saw this weird movie called White Boy Rick with Matthew McConaughey. Have you seen that one? Did not. Missed it. Really? Sounds like the last one you watched. Um, yeah, pretty much. Except for I saw half of Ralph Breaks the Internet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which cool. was trending all right. I mean, but by that point, I had been up for 20 hours, and I just wanted it to end. Not the, not the movie, the flight. So what, what was your uh, flight? You, were, you flew from Milan, not Rome? Correct. So we went um, JFK both ways to Milan, yes. Direct? Yes. Oh, you animal. Yes. I like it. Yeah, man. So on the way there, it's five and a half hours. The way back, it's eight and a half hours because the jet stream is popping this year. Wow. Our, our last, um, it's only five and a half hours from New York to Milan? Well, when the, when the wind's really right, blowing. Right. When you have a tailwind. It's usually a six and a half hour, but we were moving. When we um, last went to Europe, we had this epic trip where we did Iceland, and then we did Rome, and then Florence, and then we did Paris, and then on the way back, because we took Iceland air, you we stopped back in Iceland? In Iceland again for a few hours. So that morning, we woke up in Paris, um, you know, schlepped our way to the um, Charles de Gaulle Airport, which is similar to JFK, not close to uh, Paris or New York. Yeah. Um, and you get there, and then you deal with all uh, European air travel, which, as you can remember from your recent experience, is not as um, well set up as American air travel. It's kind of like a cattle. Like, everybody just stands there, and they're like, all right, queue up. And everyone's like, no, we're just going <laughs> to mosh pit. We're not going to listen to the speakers. The security's super loosey-goosey. And yeah, it's great. are. You're like, are we going to get through? Does anybody want to move through this? You know, and we then we flew from uh, Paris to Reykjavik, layover, Reykjavik to Seattle, layover, Seattle to Los Angeles, home. I felt like I had been beaten by a mule by the time I got back. Yeah, oh it's savage enough to just sit on a plane for eight hours, but to do all that in time zones, man, God bless you. Yeah. Um, for sure. Speaking of airports, actually. This is the last thing I want to get to before my incredible crescendo to the college basketball season, my lukewarm NIT pick, our comments. But um, what do you think? I travel a decent amount for work, right? I'm thinking about, like, what can I do to, to not only entertain myself in the airport, but maybe to create some content for filibuster Freestyle? What about, what do you think is the better idea for me? Should I rate dangerous airport sushi? As like a practice of things I do at the airport, or is it safer to maybe rate the quality of the Bloody Mary mix at airport bars? Ooh, um, gosh. I think um, in terms of like something that everybody can identify with, you either go with the Bloody Mary or you just do an in general food quality. Yeah, right. Because most people I know don't order sushi at gas stations and airports. I don't either. I never have. But my 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 thought was, do I become that guy in hopes that like you know I'm the only guy in the corner and maybe it matters? But it probably doesn't matter. Well, uh, you do travel enough. If you started a standalone brand, 
that reviewed um, airport and gas station sushi, I think you might be on something. Yeah, man. All right. I'm going to, uh, number one, I might do it. Number two, if anybody's listening and wants that job instead of me, contact me at Gavin Viano on Twitter. Slide into my DMs. Just do it. Slide. (laughs) But like, you know, in the Uh, appropriate way, of course. (laughs) Well, what the, what the listeners at home can't see uh, that you may be able to see is I, I currently have a sty on my eye um, that um, is a big hit with the ladies. I bet. And um, very, very distracting. Speaking of sliding into DMs, right? <laughs> right. Um, please uh, hit me up if you want to get pictures of the sty on my eye. Um, <clears throat> thankfully, it's an internal one, so I just look like I've been like you know kicked in the face, bit, bit by a mosquito, or something. Instead yeah. of I've got like a uh, like a pus volcano ready to erupt from my uh, eye that most people look at. Final final band on the ba- the fake band Bill Pus Volcano. Pus Volcano. <laughs> you know the comedian Lenny Clark. Sure do. Uh, my my good friend Joel was working at a bike shop, and Lenny Clark came in, and Joel had a pus volcano on his eyelid, and Lenny uh, came up with that term. He's like. Uh, he's like, oh my god, look at that sty on your eye. <laughs> Boston's own. He's like, this guy's got a pus volcano. <laughs> Dude, only Lenny Clark. There's a reason it was good. It's because a professional thought of it. I like it. All right, dude, let me, grand, grand finale, the NIT ended tonight. University of Texas beat Lipscomb. Now, the interesting thing is that Davidson College, where I get my paycheck, yes. we played Lipscomb in the first round of the NIT, and they came back from nine down in the second half and found a way to beat us, which which really sucked at the time. But yes, these were my takes from two weeks ago before I went to Italy, before the NCAA tournament started, and before I knew Lipscomb would make it to the final. But here are my takes on the NIT, okay? It's kind of like we, we, we hosted the game. First. So we, we, you, know, you have your, your, your conference tournament game. You lose. You're not going to the dance. You find out on a Sunday night that you get one more game at least at home 36 hours later, right? Okay. So, you know what it's Logistically kind of, a challenge. Right. But you know what it's kind of like? is It's kind of like a nice going away party for the season that wasn't planned. Or like, it's like the brunch the day after your wedding. Oh, good. You know, you weren't sure if you were even going to go. But you did it. You had fun seeing everybody one last time before everybody goes their, la- their separate ways. Right, right. And so it was a good vibe. It was an appreciative vibe. People that were really diehard fans were psyched to have one more chance to see the team. So that was kind of cool. So I would equate a home NIT game as like a, a day after wedding brunch. You know, it, it, it's not really the highlight of the weekend. It's not really what you wanted to be doing, but you, it's there and you, you're glad that, you know, you have a nice conversation or two. You have a bagel and some bacon and you go home. You know, and you're hungover, and all those things right. are true. Right. Um, let's see. Okay, the negative. You can't do any canned music in your own arena. It has to be all pep bands. Okay. You can't do any sponsor stuff. So you can't do like the the shake your Ralph's, Vic, you know, your your Harris Teeter Vic card. You know, you can't do any like Dale Earnhardt Chevrolet three pointer. You can't do any of that crap. You can't play any Zombie Nation or, you know, Darude Sandstorm or Crazy Train or Sweet Caroline or any of this stuff that gets people pumped up. And plus, your pep band isn't used to playing all the breaks because you usually are doing some canned music. So your pep band is playing songs they have no business playing in public. So it's like, hey, NIT, just let people run their friggin' home game. Is that because they don't want 
you to make revenue off of their game? Number one, they get all the revenue anyway. But number two... But if it's a sponsor... Well, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Like, bit, then you could... I don't know. Yeah, but that's already tied into, like, a, a year-long deal. So, like, we wouldn't get any more money for that. But but I hear what you're saying. I think part, that's part of it. And I think part of it is trying to make it fair to the road team. But, like, you're the road team. It's not fair. If they wanted to be fair, do it in neutral courts like the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So... Now, what would you say the quality of basketball at the NIT has... Uh, been as we reach this level in college basketball where the NCAA is struggling with the one and done and um, you know the powerhouses are still the powerhouses but they have to reinvent on the fly and you're actually having a bunch of teams that are you know semi mid major ish that um, um, benefit from having uh, veteran players yeah Um, does the NIT actually like like the team Texas or Texas won the NIT Texas won yeah yeah would they um, could they be in like the Sweet Sixteen this year if they had been seated or no? You know, I think it's a really good. I, well, I think it's a good of seating. Or I think it's a good take in terms of. I think by the time they they, they got to tonight's game and won four games in a row to get there, they were probably playing good enough basketball where they maybe could have gotten in the dance and won a game, but. They clearly did not do enough during the year in the league. They got multiple bids, including Texas Tech, who's in the you know the Final Four, to, to do to do the work. So I think for teams that underachieved, the chance to kind of like reclaim what was like your lost opportunity and maybe set yourselves up for the future. And for a team like Lipscomb, who who was who got burned in their in their conference tournament by a pretty game Liberty team. They were a senior-laden team. They clearly all still gave a crap about each other and winning, and they just ran through our bracket on you know, all three road games. They beat NC State by a point to get to the Madison Square Garden so game. So they have home and road games. Um, they don't have any neutral sites. Well, only once you get to the Final Four is at Madison Square Garden. So, but, uh, okay. but the first three games you play to get there are all on someone's home court. Right. So Lipscomb won three road games in a row to get to Madison Square Garden and then beat Wichita State two nights ago in Madison Square Garden. So, you know, props to them. But what's interesting, for instance, is like we beat Wichita State this year at Davidson and we lost to Lipscomb, obviously, a couple weeks ago. Both games were really close games. But, you know, it's, it's basically if, 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 a, if a Power 5 team like Texas feels like playing, they're going to win it. But if a team like Lipscomb is happy to be there – runs into a bunch of teams that maybe don't want to be there, they can go on a run too. And I think right. tonight what you saw is Texas was like, well, we're 40 minutes from saying we're NIT champs and salvaging a little bit of face, so let's go do it. Right, right. But it's not bad basketball, but I think the, the part that I don't like is that it's unplanned basketball. So the crowds are a little tough because the, the warning is so little, and then you can't do your normal shtick like I just talked about a few minutes ago. Yeah. So, so the gym's a little weird. It feels a little weird, but but whatever. I mean, it was interesting, and like I said, it's kind of like the post-day buffet from wedding. I love it. I love that um, that analogy. Yeah, that's exactly what I'd say it is. Um, all right, brother. Well, that's what I've got. Um, I saw that your lovely wife came home in the in the interim, and I, I just want to state one more time: Big Little Lies season two. We're bringing back we're bringing back Chloe for the commentary. And, uh, I will make it so. 
Yeah. She's vanished into the uh, the bowels of our apartment. So um, yeah. I'll have to tell I her. I forgot that you're on earphones, so she can't hear me talking. Either, and either no, she, she was can't. there. Um, I heard you hesitate as you started to speak. Um, I just want you to know I picked that up. <laughs> <laughs> Classic mix-up. But uh, make, make sure to like uh, Filibuster Freestyle and uh, leave it a review, everybody. Gavin always forgets to self-promote. Um, it really helps the cause when it goes up the ranks in iTunes. Yeah, you got to leave a review. And for God's sakes, tell a friend or two to do the same thing, right? It's got to be done. JJ, what's going on in Man Cook Good real quick? You, you make, you've been making some good stuff lately. Yeah, you know, Man Cook Good has been... Um, has been really, I've been cooking a lot of um, stuff on the weekends. Um, I've been going meatless a lot. I've been getting into uh, the roasting and uh, sauteing of uh, mushrooms quite a bit. Um, my local farmer's market has got a woman that sells fresh beans. Beans! Um, like, like, like raw garbanzo beans and raw kidney beans and black beans. So they're like, you can eat them. Like, they're not hard, and they're not cooked in a can, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, um, So I've been playing a lot with that. Um, super seasonal right now. Lots of citrus, lots of uh, winter greens, cauliflower, uh, broccoli, uh, broccoli, broccolini, a chopping broccolini. Chopping broccolini. Um, I had some cauliflower sprouts that were, like, similar to broccolini. Dude, those are um, good. Cauliflower. Um, and, uh, gosh, you know, I just... I'm so busy during the week that it's kind of like a meal prep situation. And then on the weekends, um, I've been doing some entertaining and um, and just really getting into our, our local uh, farmer's market, which being in California is just such a like a blessing from the earth. <laughs> and um, I'm right on season every week. Like uh, I know when the peaches are going to start coming in. I know when the oranges are going to start getting a little weird. And um, I just try and I've been really nerding out on that process. Nice. And so people can see that on Instagram, at mancookgood, am I right? Yeah, my, my Instagram has been uh, littered with my incredible lunches that I've been eating on the show that I'm on um, because I'm working with a bunch of enthusiasts. So we're getting into some stuff. Dude, your lunches are looking really good. Hashtag LA eats, am I right? Yes, yes. LA does eat. Even if it's crappy Mexican food on a Friday night, LA eats. Yeah, <laughs> fajita theory, everybody. Try it. Try it now. JJ, stick around for a minute. We will catch up. Everybody else, you know what Jeremy said. It's going to be Auburn over Michigan State in a rout on Monday night for the Final Four NCAA Championship. JJ, thanks for being on, bud. Thank you.